Jason. Ah. Mate, how good is that? Hey? All right, Mate, well, just done a few edits to the home studio. What do you reckon? <laughs> mate, uh, I like your upgrade, mate. That is uh, absolutely classic and uh, good to see you. we're going next level with uh, with the show. Um, mate, uh, you're, dialing, or you're dialing in from the uh, the sunny Byron Bay, I, I hear. Um, mate, uh, is- I am. I am indeed. This is uh, the Byron Bay Studios as uh, a part of Koo and Ray. We've been filming an event over here over the last three days. And, uh, mate, just thought we'd have a little bit of fun on the Friday with the studio that was already set up. And, uh, mate, I tell you what, it's a cracking place. And uh, for those people who, who want to get involved in, in filming and doing it in a, you know, a world-class type of environment, then uh, head on down to Byron Bay and, uh, and catch out the, up with the team at Kerwin Ray, mate. It's, uh, it's pretty special, this studio, I can tell you, mate. I've got you on 17 screens in here. And you, <laughs> you look as large, good in every one of those screens. Larger than as, life. Is what you do in real life, I can tell you. Um, uh, well, that's fantastic. I wonder, I wonder if you could uh, have a little snapshot of around the room a bit later on, anyway. But that'd be kind of cool. But uh, we've got a bunch of people on now, Andy. Um, so welcome to Wealth, Wine, and Wisdom team, gang. Good to see you guys here today. Uh, if you haven't already uh, noticed, Andy's in a bit of a different location. <laughs> there it is. Look at that. I mean, he's, I mean, uh, he's up the ante. <laughs> Uh, loving it, mate. Loving it. So, big shout out and uh, good day to Alison. And I see, can see a bunch of uh, others on there. So, give us a shout out. Who's online? Where you're dialing in from, team? Um, welcome to Wealth, Wine, and Wisdom. Uh, Andy Fenton over there. Uh, Jason Witten here. And uh, as a few of you guys might know, we've been doing this for quite a while and um, supporting our community. You guys out there, property investors. Uh, investors per se in any uh, asset class, financial planning, business, and uh, Andy and myself have been coming to you guys live most Fridays with a glass of wine, uh, hopefully some wisdom about wealth, and um, we'll see how we go today. Uh, There's plenty to chat about. There's plenty to talk about. We've got Dr. Carl, or is that, no, is that Dark Casper? Anyway, hello, Dark Casper. uh, if that's your real name, fabulous. Uh, good to have you here with us tonight um, or this evening or this afternoon, really, depending on where you are. Uh, there's Jeff diving in. Yeah, Jeff, we we, we will uh, we, we think we might have a little yarn about uh, interest rates tonight, um, how mm. they may or may not affect us, Andy, um, as we go along. As you guys may know, uh, if you and if you don't, um, you should, what we do, uh, on the show is uh, we cover three little uh, sections in the show, which gives us a little bit of thing, uh, a few things to talk about and pontificate on what's in the news. Plenty going on there, Andy. I'm pretty keen to chat to you about a few things that have popped up yeah. and um, things you should know. Sometimes we feel like we uh, we need to teach a little bit of something. Andy and I have got teaching uh, at the core of our purposes uh, on this planet. And certainly, if anyone has any questions, make sure you put them in the chat, team, and uh, we will circle around to um, um, uh, those questions uh, later at the end. Jesse's got a Sav Blanc. Uh, Andy, you look like you've got a rosé. Well, mate, I'm I'm free. I'm out of Victoria. So (laughs) 
For those of you, again, who haven't tuned in before, we started this off at the beginning of the pandemic in order to be able to share insights and uh, also share the real news, not the fake news, not the sensationalist headlines and help business owners, investors around Australia to navigate what have been extraordinarily challenging times. And mate, um, it's a bit of a role reversal now because I'm out, I'm free, I'm here. where the bloody hell are you, as the slogan goes in Queensland, is uh, very, very difficult to get into your state and get out of your state to get back into it at the moment. Same with WA. But, uh, mate, it's it's Freedom Day. It's been coined. Uh, uh, And I think probably quite commensurate with it. Uh, You know, I thought bringing down the wall might have been appropriate as well. But, uh, (laughs) mate... We're, uh, it's great to be out and about, as I said, in the Byron Bay studios. But, uh, mate, uh, I tell you, I'll look forward to be able to cross that border at some point in time. I did hear, I did hear uh, from a taxi driver or an Uber driver today that uh, it's your constitutional right to be able to walk over the border. Apparently, that's different to driving over the border. So maybe I might have to have a stroll and come up and see you, mate. Yes, good on foot. I did uh, many years ago. I had some interesting people that I knew, Andy, uh, talked about. Um, common law and other types of law and they tried it on and it didn't win so um you know um it's, it's an interesting one. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so what, what i'd really like to know from all of you out there and you just just type it into the chat box and just put a v or an n so if you're from new south wales just whack an n in the chat box right now i'd love to see if anybody is coming in from new south wales recently free and uh, if you're from Victoria, just put a V in there, a V for victory, uh, just into the chat box right now. I'd love to know uh, who's in from Victoria. So uh, don't keep us in. I was going to say, are you, are, you being, are you being statist right now, Andy? Like the, the, other, <laughs> the other states and territories don't matter or, you know. Well, um... <laughs> no, I was, I was, uh, I was just going to say, and we've got Bryce and Alison in there. What the bloody hell are you doing home on a Friday night when you're finally free? <laughs> yeah, I hope haven't you, you guys I hope... got anything better to do? Uh, no, but good to see. There's a, there's a few in there, Andy. Um, there is, yeah. there is. They must be going out after, uh, after the show. So thank you for dialing in. Uh, this is the warm up. Yes, this is the warm up. Yes, well, Alison's, Alison's uh, celebrating tonight anyway. Um, yeah, good work, Alison passing the economics at uni and uh, i know you've been doing some other studies as well so uh great to see that i'm a big fan andy you know uh you and i chat about this all the time when it comes to you know yeah. i think this this is one of these things uh things you should know two things that uh can um can be a an absolute predictor of your future wealth number one uh the amount of time and length you stay in an invested asset or investing in assets, the longer the better. There's no other debate in that one, okay? There's just no other debate. Um, Time will win. Time in a market, time in an asset will win or time investing will win. Whether If some people succeed trading, Andy, you you and I both know that. Uh, And the other one, the absolute other one is the, uh, the continual upgrading of your knowledge. And uh, I just want to acknowledge, Alison, your continual upgrading of your knowledge will equal, in one way, shape or form, the continual upgrading of your income. And you upgrade your knowledge, you upgrade your income, you upgrade your wealth. So well done, Alison. Great job in that one. Um, Yay. (laughs) 
Little, uh, and, little... uh, and if you keep studying economics, uh, you'll be in one of the best jobs you can ever get into because economics, as we've said many a times, Jason, <laughs> you become an economist, you get paid to be wrong on a regular basis and just come back next month and justify the reason why you made the wrong call. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's, it's a sure thing. You can't go wrong because if you're ever right, you're already in the top 10%. <laughs> there so, you go. <laughs> uh, economics 101, my friend. That's uh, congratulations. Well, congratulations. Well, Michelle reckons she doesn't have a social life, uh, probably a bit like me and Andy, to be honest. Andy was let out. And, um, <laughs> uh, I went straight to work. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And we've got someone coming in from Caratha. Hot as hell up there. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. All the way. Yeah. Um, there you go. Well, mate, um, why don't we dive into a little bit of what's going on in the news and uh, I might have a little little nibble at a little bit of real estate news and then I think w- there's a bit more meat on the bone today because there's a few things I'd love to talk to you about and I'm sure you've got one or, two, one or two things. But, um, yep. you know, let's have a look at um, my little uh, my little sort of um, five cents worth when it comes to the, the property market team. Uh, a few things happening here, Andy, which I think um, uh, are quite interesting when it comes to the world of real estate. Uh, I do remember, I don't know if you remember the the moment uh, a while ago where you and I were talking about the real estate space and people moving from the cities to regional locations. Yes. And um, uh, it's already started to reverse. Um, I don't know. I, I was sort of saying, you know, the people who are thinking that, that uh, moving to regional locations is a, like a romantic notion, have probably never lived in, <laughs> in a small town or a regional location. Um, and uh, already the change uh, where there is the lack of facilities and infrastructure, uh, people are flowing back into the cities already. Um, and uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully um, that doesn't affect those small towns too much. Um, but uh, for me, I wouldn't want to have paid too much in a small town thinking that, you know, this was the boom you were never going to, you know, you, you were waiting for because uh, people are already moving back into town mm. as, as we and go. Multiple different reasons for it, mate. But, you know, I've, I've lived in the country for a little while and, uh, mate, it gets pretty tedious because when, you, when, you, when, you, when you're in and around uh, the city and the local areas, you forget the milk, you just quickly pop out. And that, that's the reason why they say, I'm just going to pop out uh, and go down and get some milk, pop out, uh, being the, the pee. <laughs> like, where, where do you, where do you go? I've got to go down the bloody street again because I forgot the damn milk and yeah. it's a 15-minute drive down there or it's, you know, 10-minute drive. It's a bit of a, an, an escapade. And uh, and the internet is a big one. And we sort of we spoke about this in the beginning is that totally. the infrastructure really isn't there in order to be able to make sure that you can have those types of meetings. And uh, and also we, we, uh, we were sort of quoting albeit now uh, almost two years ago, uh, one of the, the, the largest global property investors in the world uh, was with, with, the, with the, the city prices falling in places like New York and all of these cities where, which actually had momentary price slumps. Uh, he was basically saying, look, we've seen this before. We've seen it ever since the Roman days, but people will congregate and they will come back in order to do exactly the same things that they did before. Totally, uh, yep. And, uh, and I think that we will see that and there's opportunity in that. But there's always, you've always got to take the bet if you want to be able to ride that wave. Uh, but there is opportunity in the short term sometimes. Yeah, and if you can be in and out, and you know, you and I have talked about the, the cost and the, the risk or the lack of liquidity in real estate. Um, you know, 
the, that word liquidity sometimes is misunderstood. Well, I think often is misunderstood. But, um, you know, the idea that you can get in and out of some investment in a timely manner quite fast and at your own choosing, real estate is not that, Andy. It, both you and I know it's slow, it's cumbersome. You know, even if you wanted to go fast, it'd be 30, 60, 90 days at like at breakneck pace, you know, and sometimes three, six, 12 months if it's not a piece of real estate that someone wants to buy, unlike the share market or other things. You know, literally, you know, mm. touch of a button and you got your money. So, you know, yes. being in and right. out of real estate, you know, trading, you've got to kind of be in it to win it. And, you know, maybe you have to wait as well. You know, if you if you missed your window, sometimes you're stuck there or you gotta, you know, take a take a haircut on 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 the price of things um as you go. So um but yeah, yeah I think, well, uh, look, yeah. There, there might there might be some interesting things because uh, I'm not sure if you if you read it recently, uh, Jace, but the new lunatic in, in charge of New South Wales has come up with a fantastic idea to abolish stamp duty. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, yeah, or GST on, <laughs> on the house. I was like, yeah, and then and then he's gone to bring in an annual property tax. I'm like, oh, you bastard. So yeah. probably make getting in and out uh, fast a bit more expensive. So hopefully that lunatic doesn't hang around for too long. Mate, I tell you, yeah. Cool. Is that him um, calling now, Jace? He's yeah, like, hang yeah, on, Jace. He, he said, look, put me on, put me on to Andy. I want to explain myself. <laughs> I need right of rebuttal. <laughs> Mate, uh, it's an interesting one. Well, last time um, New South Wales did that, uh, folks, uh, they put in a an exit tax. It was a absolute moronic move and it actually poleaxed New South Wales for about three years uh, when it came to the real estate market, Andy. Um you and I say this all the time. Your number one uh, uh, risk in investing is bloody politicians, the political environment, and um, you know everything else is actually everything else kind of makes a bit of sense once you get the gist of it. Um, but politicians <laughs> they don't make sense <laughs> at the best of times. But anyway, let's not end up down that rabbit hole today, Andy. <laughs> Uh, well, interesting. I did a little Facebook Live on this one the other day. So let's put a tick in that box. There we go. Right. You know, um, the regionals will fall out of favour when the cities kick back into gear. The cities have got the infrastructure. It's amazing. You guys know that. Um, and if you're into that lifestyle, then it's it's the place to live. Um, the one that I want to talk about next, Andy, is this one here, which is the gap between houses and apartments right now, apartment living, is the largest we have seen. Um, it's at record levels. There are records everywhere, records breaking all over the place. <laughs> New all-time high, Jason. New all-time <laughs> high. There's never been so many people in the world as what there is right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, isn't it funny? But this is uh, an interesting one because we saw um, some gaps between well, – right now the gap – some of the premiums between the house price and the apartment price across the nation is averaging at around 50, around 50%. Andy, folks, yeah. the the largest gap premium between house and apartment price uh, in Australia, Andy, I did this the other day, but a pop quiz for you. Which which city, which capital city do you reckon? Uh, give it a guess, Andy. Chuck is it in the, the chat, folks. Uh, eh? It has the largest gap between units and property? Yes, yes. Uh, or I'm going to go my home state. And uh, my justification for that is that I think that there's actually been a little bit of a, a, a falling in some of the 
the the units in and around the city. Uh, so that that's where my money would go. Uh, Mate, you come in a close second. You, well, you, you come in <laughs> second, but not that close. At a 75%, uh, 74%, oh, then I'll, I'll pull the stats up in a minute. It was the ACT, okay, between oh, cool. the median price of a unit in Canberra and the median price of a house in Canberra, absolutely off the charts. Well, mate, when people talk about states and territories in Australia, we really don't include the ACT. So that's a bit of a loaded question. <laughs> but Riley said Sydney, and it was a loaded trick question, the actual dollar gap. The largest dollar gap at 470k, Andy, 470 thousand dollar dollar gap wow. between uh, the average, the median unit price, the median house price is Sydney, 470 thousand. It's the largest in the country in dollar terms. Canberra is the largest in the country in percentage terms, um, but the average around the country, the other cities other than Canberra, is sitting around that sort of 50 percent mark. And um, this is interesting because we we do have this kind of ebb and flow where some of this buying power goes to um, land is um, land is difficult to come by right now, and if people are in the market, they're looking for that other alternative, and it's still not easy to supply the medium density housing either um, as we're rolling along. So uh, it's an interesting moment in time. Uh, and there was a very similar moment post GFC, Andy, in time where there was a gap that was, um, you know, reasonably large as well. Or prior to the GFC, sorry, not post. Uh, post GFC, uh, squidged it, um, mm. and post uh, prior GFC um, uh, had it uh, rather large. So, you know, that one's interesting to keep an eye on. You know, the regionals, people are flying back into the cities. Great. I think that's going to be good for Melbourne. Andy, unfortunately, Melbourne has had the biggest touch-up when it comes to its real estate market, when it comes to the rentals. Its values have been have stood stood up quite well, but its rentals have decreased in value. Yeah. Um, and uh, that that's made it difficult for folks all over the place, but I think that'll turn pretty quickly. My call right now is you'll see Melbourne in the next 12 to 18 months have a significant rent compression upswing people move back to the city and as soon as we get some immigration going the number one destination in australia by a country mile for in international immigration is melbourne i wonder if that'll stay true post covid lockdowns and restrictions Andy. well the only thing that's going to really impact on that is going to be uh is going to be the politicians really isn't it yeah whether they yeah. pass these draconian laws and and turn it into a dictatorship or or yeah. whether they allow free market free country to to reign so it'll be very very interesting uh so hopefully again that political ambivalence by people uh within the state of victoria hopefully we see that disappear over time some people start to fight back uh about garbage uh laws being passed and because it really will it, it has the potential to really really put the screws on victoria hopefully not i think it's ridiculous and 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 let's just hope that it doesn't actually get passed but uh, might have already happened actually i'm not quite sure of the days that uh, it was going through but mate we we will see but there's some opportunity there regardless right medium yeah, to long term yeah. absolutely and, I, and, and also one of the, uh, I didn't put it up here, but one of the challenges right now, folks, is that ca uh, Canada, so a lot of international students, like technically look at a safe place to go to school, international students and university. And there's two places that, you know, there's, there's three, but 
you know, there's two larger places. There's Australia and then there's Canada and then, like, there's New, New Zealand. Uh, considered to be very stable politically, very stable um, economically, and and a you know, great place to send you send your kids to university. Canada's crushing us. Like they've opened earlier, you know, yeah. and um, the money's flowing to Canada. So um, it's um, yeah, I it, I'm with you, Andy. Like that draconian, backward looking decision making could could kick on for a long time. You know, way longer than it should, and um, that's not great for anyone. In no matter which way you slice or dice this bloody thing. Well, it looks like we've got destination number two on the study tour, Jason. Uh, Japan, and then uh, Canada. Nice, and and then we'll finish it off with New Zealand because you know we need to make sure we we check out New Zealand um, as right. we go. <laughs> uh, we love it. We love it. So there, there you go. And and last but not least, this will kind of probably lead into something, Andy, that you know you and I were chatting about last week which is some inflation which which is kind of kicking on into um some interest rate rises and um we had uh um jeff sort of say uh earlier you know see you know there's a there's a bit of a move in the old interest rates um you know we'll we'll see what goes on that hasn't flowed through to the reserve bank yet andy when it comes to interest rates and and them moving you know their number they they said it may be a target, you know, 2024, maybe. We'll we'll see what goes 2023. Um, what's going on? You know, banks are independently kicking up their long-term interest rate, or not their long-term, but their fixed interest rates. But you and I touched on this last week about, you know, banks just hedging their bets on the money that they buy, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And I've got a bit to to cover on this. I thought we'd dive a little bit deeper into some of the mechanics around this. We'll kick kick into that a bit later. Yeah, well, mate. Um, um, uh, let's say that for later. But I do just want to uh, impress you because you know um, I do feel inadequate when it comes to wine. Uh, <laughs> when I'm in the when I'm in the company of Andy Fenton, but I've got I've dusted off the uh, the flash stuff. Uh, Samantha's Paddock, uh, 2015 oh. Yarra Valley. Um, Lovely. It was the only wine I had left in the house. Uh, and I couldn't drink the old one. It did taste terrible. I think it was two or three weeks old. I did have a sip of it. No, I was like, that, that is bad. So this one tastes pretty nice, actually, Andy. Um, so there, you, there you go, mate. Well, that, see, that's what happens when it's uh, when it's freshly when it's freshly open. It's not several days old. But yeah. uh, mate, I, I, you know what, I, I was like, well, we, we don't actually have any wine here. There's no wine here. I'm like, what am I going to do with wine and wisdom? There was one bottle of wine that was like five five days old that uh, that had on the first night when I got here. I'm like, nah, can't do that with Jason. No, nah, <laughs> not on my watch. He, he'll be able to smell it through. He'll be able to smell it through the virtual waves, and I'll be uh, I'll be cactus. But but I'm glad you're treating yourself to that. Make sure you you know have two glasses tonight, so you uh, you know you don't waste as much. No, nah, exactly, exactly. I'll make sure it uh, gets done. Well, mate, I might throw over to you. I've got a couple of other little things uh, in the news, you know, the crypto world. Um, you and I have sort of chatted about that. But, uh, you know, um, why don't I uh, kick, kick the ball over to your neck of the woods when it comes to um, what's in the news for you, mate? Mate, well, uh, oh, what's in the news over here? This is this is a bit new. This is a bit flash, isn't it? Yes. Uh, so I thought that, uh, I thought that we'd have uh, – you, you know how I love headlines. Jace, you know how I absolutely love them. And I love it when they're consistent, where then they're consistent by the same people, right? So the, so this is uh, both by the Financial Review 
look at look at the headlines up there. 22 hours and 21 hours ago, um, economists have brought forward forecasts on the first cash rate increase in six months to February 2023 after the RBA upgraded its inflation outlook. Economists accelerate RBA rate timing on inflation fears. And then the hour beforehand, the plunge in September quarter was steeper than the slump in the first national lockdown. <laughs> the worst the worst quarterly results in consumer spending in retail sales uh, that, that we've seen in a, in a long time. On record, so on record. It's, 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 a, it's a record low for the year. It's a record low for the year, Jay. So, the, and this, this dovetails quite nicely into some of the things that I wanted to sort of chat about because if we have a look at this, this is a fantastic uh, slide. I really do feel like Jane Bunn, the weather girl here. Um, <laughs> it's it's going to be a little bit hot down in uh, in Mexico. Wonderful with our pina coladas and uh, and margaritas, which I had last night. A very spicy chili one. <laughs> but uh, this this is a great little map that's uh, that's showing you global interest rates. It's almost like a heat map. Uh, and so as you can see, so where it's yellow and global orange, interest rates. Oh wow! Yeah. Mate, so, that's awesome. Give me that. All right, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I'm nicking that a few Fenton. You've, you've done well. You've done well. <laughs> Mate, it's case, isn't it? Copy and steal everything. That is it, uh, my friend. <laughs> as long as, as long as you quote the source, yeah. it's down here. Um, so. Mate, this is just gives you a representation of, of globally where everything's at. All right. Yeah, wow. So obviously we've got a few countries that are kind of sitting in there: Belarus, Russia, Turkey, Egypt, Pakistan. You know, uh, which have the larger interest rates around yeah. Bolivia. Um, now they they're needed functionally by their economy in order to be able to attract dollars into them, right? Because they're such a risky bet that we need to be able to bring the money in. Yeah, and so they have to be they, priced. It has to be priced accordingly for the risk. Yeah, yep. right. But literally, and you know, where 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 we're really focusing is we're having a look at Canada point one. We're having a look at the United States basically zero, Spain. A, a, a large portion of Europe, Scandinavia, and then obviously down here in Australia, uh, and then through most of even the South Pacific and the Asian countries, mate, very, very close to zero interest rates. Uh, can you just read out Japan there? I'm pretty sure I see a, a negative 0 0.1. Yeah. <laughs> negative 0 0.1. Uh, um, and Kim Jong-un's got a, uh, a point point uh, point. A point eight. So, mate, there's some staggering statistics around yeah, here. Yeah, wow. But we've got to contextualise everything and we've got to put things into context, right? And and this is where we really do need to, to watch the press and we really do need to watch our politicians and we need to watch the RBA. And the RBA is actually holding a pretty firm stance. Uh, as, as you and I have talked about for a long time, you know, 30 years, like this is the 10-year government treasuries, right? So yes. this is 30 years worth. This is what caused uh, prosperity basically for 40 years, right? We've had interest rates declining. Yep. Right, so what we need to start to do is we need to start to go, okay, well, if, if interest rates were to rise, what are the factors that we need to be looking at? You know, where are we investing? What are we going to be doing over that period of time if interest rates are going up? Uh, but I don't believe they're going to go up. But that's what we should look at, and this is what I'm going to take you through in a minute. But there's other factors that are at play here. Now, this is a comparison of the Australian versus the US labour force. So this is people working as opposed to people not working. Yeah. Now, this, this to me, mate, this is a staggering statistic because you, like me, we hire people. 
And bloody hell, if we can't find people, like we literally, it's like, where where the bloody hell are you? It's the Queensland. I'm hiring now, folks. If anyone wants to be a a property investment coach, uh, an amazing property manager or a finance broker, I'm in the market. Let me know. We want some amazing people anyway. Andy's looking for a great financial planner or two as well. (laughs) That's it. Where are you? And here's, here's what's happening in Australia. So we didn't go down as bad as the RBA. Right? Yeah. We didn't. We didn't fall. We didn't suffer as bad as the. Uh, uh, sorry, we didn't fu- suffer as bad as the US. Right, but the US is trending in a positive direction. We're mm. actually tipping over the edge. Shit, we're actually going backwards. Right, and that's a fear factor. And if you go and try and raise rates at this point in time, then you're going to make that harder because what's going to happen in business? Businesses that have loans, people need to pay for people. You start yep. to raise rates you are going to exacerbate this problem, right? And you and I have talked about it ad nauseum, and I think I've got a slide to talk about this as well. It might be coming up in some of the other stuff, which I'll chat about in a tick. But ad nauseum is that there are different things that are causing inflation. We cannot just go, shit's getting more expensive, um, so raise interest rates. That's yeah. not how it works, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it, right. it is a target of the RBA, but supply chain shortages, there's hundreds of reasons why things are more expensive right now yes. than what they ever yes. have been. Yeah. And it's not just standard free market. So the Reserve Bank is aware of this and they're getting a lot of pressure saying inflation, property, and then you have some idiot go, oh, let's put another tax on property. I mean, for God's sake, like if you've only got taxes, the hammer, I mean, we've got a whole lot of politicians who've only got the tax hammer. <laughs> I mean, you'd think that these people would have gone to school. Anyway, let me get started. But... <laughs> So there are different things at play. And you don't need a degree at. to be a politician, Andy. Hey, you, know, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? You need a degree to be, you know, a doctor, an economist, an accountant, but politician, mate, fucking knock yourself out. <laughs> what's what's the worst that you can do destroy an economy? Have a go. Yes. <laughs> Just give anyway, it a crack. Uh, uh, anyway. So so when we start to look at where do we where do we look at investing in different points in time? And this this is just I'm not saying where we're going right now because, you know, at the moment we're definitely over here. We're definitely in forms of inflation. Yeah. Right. So anything food based, anything real estate based, gold, farmland, real assets, um, these are the things that are going to be taking off. If you start to go into a potential sort of a recessionary environment, right, where they're going to start raising interest rates and things like that to try and create that recessionary feel. Then you're going to start looking at hedge funds, long short funds, alternative asset classes, of which you and I have talked about a lot. Yeah. And sometimes property is actually an alternative asset class, just by the by. Um, if you believe that the world is going to go through a massive price derationalization, then you've got to be in government bonds, fixed fixed interest, um, and high dividend shares. What's a derationalization, Andy? Like explain that in 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 basic terms. What's a derationalization? When when when, when everything. <laughs> Uh, well, it's probably the upper house and the lower house communicating. Um, <laughs> but but uh, effectively, we're talking about deflationary times, right? So okay. when the cost yeah. of start, property prices fall, milk yeah. prices fall, cigarette yeah. prices fall, you know, uh, you know, everything starts to become cheaper. So, th- now, so there's a fear in that right now where you go, well, okay, this is a temporary inflation issue just because we've got some supply chain issues but they're short-term they're not real inflationary underpinnings yeah 
Yeah, and the, and yeah. they will balance. They will balance back out. They they will find their new equilibrium if they're given time. Yes. Right, and you might need to tweak a few things here, but these are minor policy tweaks, not major uh, changes in the reserve bank cash rate. Right, yeah. because what you end up doing is if you do stuff like that, you're talking about ten year decisions. When you start to look at the cash rate, you're looking 10 years into the future, your 10-year government treasuries, which we were looking at in graph number one. Yep. Right. So when they're making those decisions, they, they're looking, they really got to be thinking, what's the 10-year outlook? And they're getting pressure and, and political opinions on the, the, the short-termism. And, and it's BS and it puts a lot of pressure on them. Personally, I think the, the, the Reserve Bank is doing a pretty bang-up job at the moment because... Uh, well, just by comparison, because they they did a pretty shit job uh, coming out of the <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, you like uh, about time you got your shit together. Um, and so, yeah. So this this is where uh, another article, which was published, no, same 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 place, mate. Same, same place. <laughs> within within a day and a half. So Fed Chairman Jerome Powell has started removing emergency money, uh, as he should, but it's not monetary tightening. So what we're seeing in the US at the moment is we're seeing uh, that they're tightening. They're not putting as much money in, but they're still putting money in, right? And here's what we need to be aware of. And here's so, what, what do you mean putting money in? They're like they're, they're printing money, or they like issuing government bonds? How's it going in? Uh, so we're talking about quantitative easing. We're talking about yes. stimulus. We're talking yep. about injecting stimulus. cash into yes. the system via the banking system. Yep. Right. Printing or printing and borrowing. Printing and bo- borrowing. Yeah. Yep. yep. Right now, he's sitting there. The reason why he looks like that <laughs> is because he's old. Uh, no, the reason why it looks like that is because it's a genuine concern. Because yeah. this is what happens, right? In the GFC, the coloured parts are when they hit quantitative easing, right? So when they start, when the Federal Reserve started punching money into the economy in big amounts, that stimulus, quantitative easing, all of that sort of jazz. This is this is their stock market. Quantitatively ease, 47%, right? I don't know about you, Jace, but it, when there's an absolute crisis going on, I'd, pretty, I'd be pretty bloody happy just to keep the, the equity market doing about 5 or 10% personally. Yeah, yeah but, you'd reckon, but, you know, just keep it steady. Steady as she goes, just, Andy, no. Let, yeah. Let's just blow it up. Let's just blow it up. Let's, blow, let, let's just throw, go all in. Let's go all in and see what happens. Now, this is the interesting part. They, they tapered. They stopped. Yes. And it went sideways, 2%, right, over, what are we talking, six months, right? Then they, hit, they had to hit it again. So they hit the quantitative easing. What happened? Went up 10%. So the impact was shorter, mm. right? The impact was shorter and it was less aggressive. But as soon as they stopped, negative 12%. And it dropped instantaneously. Then stimulated. And again, didn't do as much, stimulated, stimulated, and, and the, the rest is history. So what we and need it looks, to understand. It looks like when you first have your first coffee, right? This is what it looks like. <laughs> which, which, which is first, down here. Yeah, the first coffee ever. Poof, and then, you know, your second coffee, not as great. You know, and then each time afterwards, it doesn't stimulate as much, you know. <laughs> And and that's the, when you when you're attacking a, a problem with the same yeah. utensil, this is yeah. this is the byproduct. That's but this I is think. also one of the reasons why they cannot just simply uh, expand uh, interest rates. Right? It didn't they fix can, the underlying problem. It didn't fix the underlying economic issue. 
or, you know, employment issue or, you know, attitude issue, whatever it is. It's just like just chuck some money at it, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and that this is going to be the problem because the stock market is a big chunk of Australia's wealth, uh, as is the property market. And if they, ra- if they raise rates and start tightening too quickly, this was just when they stopped putting money in. Yeah. Not, not raising interest rates. Yeah. This was when they, st- when they just didn't put as much in. And, and over here it fell 12% in a very, very short period of time. And so these are the underlying factors that need to be in the minds. And then when we look at J- of, of the Reserve Bank and when we look at Japan, Lowest interest rates in the world for the longest period of time. They've never been able to raise the rates. Yeah. America has not successfully risen rates since before 2009. And so when we're sitting here in Australia and we're going, well, let's, let's raise interest rates. But who the bloody hell do you think you are? Like there are some significant ramifications of doing this and calling on the RBA to make short-term decisions based on short-term statistics. Yeah, is lunacy, and so, and so let me ask you a question, Andy. Like when we're talking about raising interest rates, right? Who are we talking about? Because this, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a very good question, <laughs> right? So it's you know, very... you know, who, who are we talking about, right? So the banks, Westpac today. Uh, oh, that's it. We're gonna we're gonna put our fixed interest rate up. Now that's not raising interest rates. That's changing the interest rate on one of their offerings, one of their products. So, folks, listening in, again, like Andy was sort of demonstrating a moment ago, you know, one hour apart, you know, articles in the Fin Review, completely the opposite, you know, and... it's <laughs> you <know>. incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. You know, so... I can't uh, wait to pick up the Fin Review one day, like the physical <laughs> one. I swear it's going to happen one day. And it's going to have their best possible outlook ever seen for Australia. And on the back page is we're doomed. You know, it, it, it'll, literally, it'll literally be printed on the opposite side of each other. It's going to happen. Uh, it's it's going to happen. Well, I reckon, I reckon you're right. So we're talking when we're saying, okay, raise interest rates, we're talking about the RBA saying, all right, here's our 10-year target. Here's a target of, of what we're thinking we're trying to manage the economy to, not necessarily what the lenders are going to actually set their interest rates at, right? Because... Correct. Um, yep. Because probably post GFC, Andy, like, and, and I think you and I chatted about this, and we chat about this stuff all the time. But post GFC, kind of decoupling from the RBA and the lenders, kind of being in step. There's kind of this, kind of this. All right, well, we don't really care what you've said. We're going to do this, or we're, we're going to do that. It's not. It's not a given that the banks or the lenders will follow the RBA in rates and other things right at this point well, in time if if the rba were to raise rates we would see all of the banks raise it probably by double yeah um, but they're hold the rba is holding back now hang on guys like just just chill out cat amongst like, the pigeons chill it out yeah like, we've just had a, a covid bomb go off globally let's not overreact because we we don't know what's around the corner and look and I'm not trying to predict anything here, or, or and I certainly don't want it to happen. But what happens if there, a worse strain came out, more virulent, got around faster, and was you know even more devastating? Like heaven forbid, yeah. touch wood, don't want it to happen. 
But imagine they did that, and they write, and that's so typical. They'd re, they'd raise the interest rates, you know, a couple of percentage points, and then it would just it get out. And yeah. uh, and so you really need to be protecting yourself. It's it's small tweaks to uh, to to affect long term decision making. And there's just too much there's too much noise out there at the moment to start being too speculative when it comes to interest rates and new zealand have kind of done it and look oh, you know country beware uh and there's nothing wrong like we, we don't have to be the first um like let's just watch what happens a little bit because like it's their economy and uh but what's happening is that short-term uh fear is getting into the, that three-year treasury Right, so the three, so the the expectation that the three year treasury is going to be significantly more expensive, so you will pay more for that now, and so banks have the same thing, whereby they're kind of, and I I reckon it's BS. I just reckon they're using it as a bit of an excuse to start to slowly adjust rates, greater profit. Hey, you watch it. I reckon they are, mate. Yeah, they're, they're making a good margin now. They're making a better margin now than they were ages ago, right? Um, yeah. Why Why are we raising interest rates? Because the headlines are saying there's so much inflation around, interest rates are going to go up. Okay. Boom. Do they, yeah. do they believe that? And we're going to close down all of our stores and go completely 100% virtual because we can provide a better customer experience. What you're going to see on the balance sheet of the banks is record profits. You're you going to see it. I, I mark yeah, my word. Cool, unless unless some, something comes from left field, you're going to see some big profit numbers come out of the banks in the next, uh, uh, the next reporting season. And it's going to be interest rate rises. It's going to be lack, you know, firing more people. And uh, it's go, it will be very, very interesting. What what's real or not? I mean, I, I think I've got something here. I was just trying to find it, but you know, um, you know, banks closing down more, right? Like, and again, record record closing downs um, of actual physical physical uh, physical locations. They're shutting them down. They're ripping out ATMs. People aren't using them. Um, away you go. So uh, yeah, that is that's an interesting one. We've got a couple of questions in here. Um, uh, Jeff reckons he wants to uh, case. Your qualifications, he's over dump truck driving, Andy, so uh, he's got to copy and steal your qualifications. <laughs> That's all right. I'll send you over the PDFs. <laughs> <laughs> Away we go. But uh, Alison is like, champagne's kicked in, Andy. What the hell is a non-fungible token? Some guy lost three pictures of a cartoon ape and it cost him millions of bucks. NFT thieves. I don't get it. Um, well... <laughs> And uh, you know, Alison, this is um, this is one thing. One of the one of the next bits that I was going to sort of bring up, Andy, which might lead us into the next conversation for this evening. What's in the news for um, for us as um, you know, uh, mere mortals when it comes to the world of investing? Uh, this world of digital value, digital assets is like it's taken shape. It, it, it's been living in the sort of, I don't know, the back rooms and the Dungeons and Dragons nerd world for maybe 10 years or so, maybe seriously for five years. Um, but it's certainly coming of age, the world of what is a digital asset, folks. Um, and it takes a little bit of getting your head around, Andy, and then it doesn't. Um, and Alison, this is kind of probably for you and, and anyone else listening in, obviously. Um, you know, one of the lenders in Australia is saying, hey, listen, no problems. Um, you know, we're going to add 
crypto to our banking app like where you know you can you can you can manage and see your crypto holdings in your banking app and uh andy you might know a little bit more about this you know i understand that a number of the exchanges around the world are now welcoming at the very minimum uh eth um and and uh bitcoin to the exchange ethereum. platforms yep. yeah ethereum and uh bitcoin to the platforms and also australia has now um you know trying to get ahead of it let's 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 hope it does with these decentralized technologies um and so you know what does it look like when allison sort of says hey listen you know what's this going on what's a non-fungible token well yeah um in my world i understand that stuff as you know trademarks or exclusive rights to something allison if you think you might have written a book or you've done a painting andy you've done a painting in the physical world um well you know if you if you own the painting then you know it's yours now um in the digital world how do you know you own the painting because everyone can copy it and put it everywhere well there's like a a, a, a digital recording of that painting and now if it's used under this token um there's some sort of either contribution monetary or whatever into the future value contribution um so you know that's um uh that's what it looks like and <laughs> allison said she might have a few more drinks and do a painting tonight it's not a bad idea to be honest um you know I, I do know a few people chucking these non-fungible tokens on top of things and people are on them because because they're interested in the non-fungible token, not necessarily the actual underlying art. Any, anyway, any, can you add any uh, oh, look, wisdom to this? There's, there, there's a reality behind it. Uh, now, there's, tri there's a trillion oh, – I've forgotten the last number um, – and I, I'm gonna a dog line. Uh, Jeff, Jeff's all over it. Um, but uh, effect, effectively, I, I see it like this: your average platform is costing you somewhere in the vicinity of you know fifty dollars an average sort of trade, right? In crypto world, crypto is being traded at extraordinarily high volumes, massive, you know. And there is some massive profit to be made in this. There are more trades now that are going on in crypto than than in Australia than on the ASX. I allegedly, I've, I don't, ha I've, I haven't seen the factual data, but I've, I've read articles in and around this. It's actually saying there's more trades being done. Um, I'll find the data and I'll bring it to you so I can give you the the real the the real facts behind it. So everybody is getting in to to this world of crypto, and it's. It, in some respects, it's it's online gambling, right? It really is. Because <laughs> it is, it is, it is. It totally is. What's the underlying aspect? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's fun and it's themed behind it. Look, I'll have probably about twenty conversations uh, uh, a week in and around this sort of stuff, and you know, I, I sort of say, okay, what is the tangible value that this is going to bring to the world? And I, I hear a myriad of bullshit, um, and. <laughs> And, and it's all linked, right? But nobody's quite figured out exactly how it's going to work. Um, so people are taking bets on it. Yeah. Right. And, you know, th there's no doubt that these, these, this way, this technology is going to expand. And uh, 
the banks need to be at least playing some sort of a role in it in order to be able to track it because the banks are also the, the, the main reason for the banks in Australia and the banks globally is to become the payment facilitator for the globe and for the country, right? So the payment facilitator and bring stability to the payment cycle of the world. Yeah. Now, where there is such large volumes of trade going on now that is in this world, which is now unavoidable, right? It's that uh, it was the second largest asset class last time I looked, um, single asset class. Then the banks really need to be a part of it in order to be able to facilitate that trade. Yeah. Um, otherwise, they're going to lose it, and they they can't manage the payment stability for countries if the a lot of the trading is not actually happening with them. So they need to be a part of it. Uh, by being part of it, they will certainly be able to to add the the dollars into the bank by the trading that goes on behind the scenes with them, and they'll experiment with the way that the the underlying currency is going to be used. Right. So for instantaneous transactions, uh, you know, it it will permeate into natural banking. Uh, in what capacity? We we we're yet to see it. And the non fungible tokens is an interesting one because. I, I always just look back at, and, and we were part, We went to a, a presentation, Jace, uh, where uh, he articulated really well what a non-fungible token is. And, and I just sit there and I go, well, a non-fungible token is a smart contract. That's it. Right? If you look at it as a smart contract, something that um, is, is, a, is a technology-based contract, which you can create anything in. You can trademark a song uh, and you can anch- anchor different benefits to that. Uh, hell, you could have it as your own personal service. I could sell a, a non-fungible token, which is the right to receive financial advice for X amount of dollars. And then, Jason, you you get the advice from me through that non-fungible token. And then you could have, as a part of that contract, that you can sell that token uh, to anybody for whatever price you want, uh, as long as I get uh, my X amount of dollars plus a share of the profit that sits over and on top. So when you start to look at then this world of non-fungible tokens and, and how this can spread just by thinking about it as smart contracts, it's limitless. Yes. But the idea of, uh, of a graphic going from, you know, a couple of hundred dollars to, you know, a million dollars overnight, I honestly believe, mate, I, I reckon a lot of that stuff is super fatical uh, and that sort of stuff will die out as there becomes more normalized. What the hell is super fatical, Andy Fenton? Like... I know you're an intelligent guy, um, but, you know, what the hell is superfatical? <laughs> I think I might have made up a word, mate, to be fair. Um, it's just a fad, like, uh, like a super oh, fad. Fad. Like, fad. Oh, yeah, fad. Yeah, super fad. Yeah, okay. Squares and bell bottoms from your generation, mate. <laughs> Love it. I reckon you made up a great word just now. That's fucking great. If it's a real word, let's tell me, folks. That sounds like a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, Bryce. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you heard it here first. I Next one into the, uh, the Oxford Dictionary. <laughs> Next year, superfatical. But it, it, uh, really, it really is. And, and until it finds its place, you're going to see some outrageous bids because it's all right to pay a million dollars for it. But that yeah. doesn't mean it's worth a million dollars. It's only worth a million dollars if somebody else is going to buy it off you for that price or more. And uh, and if they don't, then it's not right. And uh, and this is where people need to understand that it's also the wild wild west, right? And there are people who are smart, who know how to play the system, and they're playing the system, and they're going to influence you. Like have a look at Sheba as a coin, just went up, took off like a rocket, 
um, and made people significant amounts of money and then all of a sudden just fell from grace. Jason, what was the difference between Sheba yesterday and Sheba today? <laughs> I don't even know. The only the only Sheba I know, uh, well, Sheba, was uh, when I used to watch He-Man and then there was Sheba. So, Andy, Pro- I wouldn't prob- have a clue. <laughs> prob- probably, probably the same relevance factor. Right? <laughs> And, yeah. and that's what I mean. That there, who's to say that there wasn't a handful of people, uh, maybe investment bankers. I won't say that definitely, <laughs> but it doesn't sound too far from what they might do. Who have a spare, you know, hundred million that's sitting in an account, uh, which is on behalf of their investors, and they go, you know what? There's reasonable volume in this. That if we jumped in now and started pushing the price up and got the trade volume, we could we could turn that hundred million into five hundred million. We could get out really really quickly, uh, and in a day or two, double our money. Yeah, bang. Boom, There's done. no regulation around it at the moment that's stopping that from happening, and so you can make a lot of money. But these large spikes in volatility are either from mass market manipulation, uh, or something else. Right, yeah, uh, and dumpers, Andy. There was a there was quite a push, um, you know. As often, it is too late when it comes to the the regulators. And it's an interesting one, Andy. You know, the idea that uh, when things sort of get out of, you know, out of the the kind of weird, quirky world and into the mainstream, they have to pick up certain volume outside of legislation outside of um you know uh management or control or some mechanism that actually keeps the masses safe right now you know i see day after day you know many a scam going on in the world of this space right because there's no oversight and there's no there's no um recourse you know you can get in there you can sort of say whatever you like there's no accountability you and i you know, accountable to licensing, you know, multiple licensing in Australia um, uh, for our industries. You know, if we go and tell a client, you know, do this or do that, we, we've got some recourse, you know, in that kind of wild west, there's like, you know, here it is. It could be a complete, absolute fabrication and lie. Um, and then people are in and out. So that's where it's kind of like this two-edged sword. New things don't come out of the woodwork when it comes when things are over legislated and over over managed. Um, but then, uh, when when the kind of the either the you know the I don't know, let's call it I won't even say it. But then <laughs> then there's the other side of the equation where you know people taking advantage of things that are unlegislated you know become an issue as well. So. Um, but yeah, I think the underlying conversation, Andy, you and I have chatted about this multiple times, right? Where you know we're talking about this thing's here to stay. Um, Definitely, yeah, this thing's here to stay. It's mainstream, and for all of us, we need to kind of make a little bit of sense of it and participate and understand in it as this uh, as this changeover happens. Oh, Jeff, actually, uh, we've got a Jeff coin coming soon. Um, <laughs> I love it. Jeff Coin coming soon, supporting life on a beach, cocktails, bikinis, comp waves. Uh, it's going to be big. Jeff, I'm in. Let me and Andy know. <laughs> Let me and Andy know. Uh, That's it. We're in. We're in. It's got. It's it's going to a dollar. It's going to a dollar. We'll be we'll be we'll be gazillionaires. Uh, I love it. 
But, uh, you know, uh, there's a few good questions here. You know, Monica's sort of talking about, you know, regulation. Do you think there'll be some sort of regulation body in the future? Uh, 100% Definitely. absolutely. And there all there already is some bodies, Monique, in place that kind of will step in. Well, they're probably as soon as you got a as soon as you got a bank, Jace, uh, yeah. managing that money, and that's coming yeah. in and out of a bank account. That's regulated. The banking yeah. system is regulated. So, yeah. as CBA gets in that and uh, and ten thousand dollar, I went to try and get money out. Yeah, I oh, I said this the other week. I won't, but well, anyway, I'll say it again because I was pissed off. I went to get you know twenty k out of the, the the bank, and they wouldn't give me the money. I had to sign for it. I had to jump through hoops in order to get the cash. Yeah. Um. And then then they asked me what it was for. I said none of your business. And they said, well, we have to ask. And I said, well, I don't have to answer. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and they said, yeah, fair enough. Uh, but the reality is, and, and it's under anti-money laundering legislation. Yes. Uh, so the, the, the old big brother, oh, don't even get me started. I'm getting myself started. I know it's at the end of the night. Let's, let's not go into too much. Hang on, hang on. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm about to go, Jason. I'm about to, I can't stand it. <laughs> But uh, uh, we've got the, the anti-money laundering and terrorist legislation that sits behind it, basically allowing or making it mandatory for large amounts to be tracked. Yes. Uh, now, when that comes from a trading platform into a bank account, it it already is regulated to some degree. Already right? regulated. Yeah. And it now the into, bank's getting involved. Into, yeah. When it turns into money, fiat, like you know, local currency, that's when kind of everything's. Somebody's paying attention, right, Andy? Like that's the thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. And as, yeah. and as soon as the payment systems start to to open up for these sorts of things, there will be filtration points, and the filtration points will be where the regulation sits. Yes. Uh, yeah. And uh, and it's just trying to figure out what that looks like in the future. It's it's still a, a little bit down the track, but you know, um, you can now pay for. You can get sort of, and I was having a chat with with a friend the other night, and sort of saying we well, can get credit cards now, and you can use the coin currency. It's not actually what's happening. You're not using the, the coin directly. It's a conversion of the coin to currency, and then through Amex or, or whatever. Yeah. There are versions of cards where the, the the vendor or the merchant will accept a specific type of coin, uh, and that's slightly different. Uh, and as we see more of those mechanisms of change, then you'll see the tax bodies come in and start to regulate well, those yeah. exchanges as well. There's already tax law flowing in, Andy, you know, based on, you know, do you own these assets and one way, shape or form, you know, you got to pay your dollars and cents. You know, you got to get your head around them. You know, I'm sure, and it might be a very cool little historical, um, you know, investigation where, you know, okay, what happened when gold and silver and bronze as as the you know the store of value transferred into you know fiat which was money and paper and kind of print this thing is there any value to it and and now it's kind of like okay well there might be a bit of a change from fiat like currency to something something else which which may may still you know be interesting to to have a little look at well, if you want to jump into that next week, mate, I've actually got a slide that I've been meaning to talk about for some time, and it's on exactly that. It's just not in the slide deck right now, and it's a, it's a bigger conversation. But I think that'd um, be a great conversation to have, mate. Yeah, the history of money over time, and uh, and and how that initial store of value has evolved. Yes, and um, and there is a fundamental shift of of how we're going to perceive that store of value. Crypto is going to be a big part of it. Non-fungible tokens, I honestly believe non-fungible tokens are going to be bigger than crypto um, uh, 
in the way of, or, or at least initially the deployment of that technology will, will end up being bigger than crypto mm. um, for commercial purposes. Uh, right, so the, you might still have lunatics trading Shiba because I think Jeff said it had something to do with dogs in Japan. You know, getting groomed. You buy buy a Shiba coin, dog in Japan gets groomed. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what Jeff's talking about. But um, <laughs> Jeff, no, we, we, we love it, Jeff, because that because that is really kind of almost quite an interesting thing. And he like it's like what you know a, a dog in dog in Japan. That's kind of like a quirky thing that people are kind of doing, but it will it be mainstream? Will it be something you can rely on, you know, into the future? And you and I have talked about this. All right, there's these weird trading things, more like, more like, um, more like uh, betting and and gambling rather than kind of a you know a, a, an understandable concept. And if we're going to invest our hard earned wealth and and money into something. You know, a property or a share or a stock market or a, you know, an an ASX two hundred or a one hundred. Like these things are kind of reliable, and that's not the right word, but they're kind of like you know, they're a bit more, you know, they're a ninety five percent reliability. Um, but an NFT is like kind of maybe a one percent reliability and ninety nine percent. Fuck, let's see how this goes. You know, um, so yeah, there's a yeah. there's a big bridge for people to understand it. Yes. Uh, yes, and as people start to understand the utilization of it, we we will see you know that 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 Moore's law or that exponential growth start to come in as people start to become more familiar with how they can actually be used. And and in the in the short term, there's going to be mass volatility. Sure, there's going to be money that can be made. Yeah. Uh, my my belief, uh, my opinion is that it's mostly going to be made by people who have that coin to manipulate it. Yes, um, yeah, the, yeah. That's where the manipulation can happen, right? If you've got the ability to buy and sell at mass volume, and then the kind of the the regular, you know, the folks kind of get caught up in the woohoo, it's all happening. And they're the ones that get taken advantage of, and that's what regulations for, folks. Um, whether you like it or not, um, those industries and bodies and and regulators are do play a good. They, 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 it's an important part of our system. Sometimes they're either too lazy, too stupid, or not capable enough to, to fucking do their jobs properly. Anyway. And sometimes they're all three. All three at once. <laughs> anyway, there you go. But, mate, uh, why don't we put a pin in that? We've got a few people keen on, um, um, well, at least Monique anyway, is keen on uh, hearing what you've got to say potentially next week on on those things as well as part of your uh, presentation. And, uh Mate, uh, I'm keen to see what that looks like when when it comes to making decisions into the future. I'm certainly very keen now to see where I can put a few dollars for myself in this space when it comes to my portfolio, and uh, I'm certainly well into the part of my investing career when it comes to my equity arbitrage. My my safe place of storage at this point in time that I understand is real estate. And then uh, a little bit of equity here, there, and everywhere out into the other places uh, makes a bit of sense to uh, be on the field, play the game a little bit, Andy. But we might uh, we might put a pin in the, in that for uh, next week, my friend. Well, mate, as soon as I can walk across the border, I'll be uh, I'll be seeing you soon, brother. I'd, I'd love that. All right, well, folks, uh, you guys be good, be awesome. Uh, and Alison reckons we should um, 
talk about uh, Elon Musk being a uh, world leader from, from here on. <laughs> well, let's put that one on the agenda for next week, uh, folks. <laughs> Well, yes. Go and watch. In the meantime, go and watch the Fifth Element, and then we can talk. Alex. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fifth Element. There, yes, indeed. Corporate control. Um, or what's the other one that was um, around back in the day? Uh, not Fifth Element, but it was with Harrison Ford a long time ago. Was Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Look at Blade Runner or Fifth Element, folks. When the corporate um, corporates control the world, not governments. Anyway, there you go. Well, I think we're done and dusted, Andy, so it's a good night from him. And it's a good night from me. <laughs> good night, folks. <laughs> good have night, an awesome God. weekend. <laughs> Bye-bye.